Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from the Ray Horseman studio in North Hollywood, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, voting. Abraham Lincoln said, Elections belong to the people. It's their decision. If they decide to turn their back on the fire and burn their behinds, then they will just have to sit on their blisters. Ouch. It's been a little uncomfortable sitting down since 2016, but Frenita Tolson, Vice Dean and Professor of Law at USC's Gould School of Law, is here to talk about how voting works, who tries to stop voters, and exactly what are superdelegates anyway. Plus, we debut the new hit song, The Ballad of Captain Culpepper, and Paula visits Florida. We hope you vote to stay tuned. I'm Adam Felber, the guy who tries to keep the bubbles on this show's conversational ballot filled in completely. And now, please welcome the woman who is always leaving a topical hanging chad, Paula Poundstone! Welcome, Paula Poundstone. Well, thank you so much. Lovely to be here. It's really good to have you. And it's good to have... Miranda Street once again. Miranda Street. Yeah, on beautiful Miranda Street. I believe this neighborhood is on the upswing, by the way. I can tell you why later. But we have our house band guitarist, Harry Orlove. Nice job, Harry. Thank you for being here. Harry is... uh, Harry's never been our house band before, but he has made an appearance on the show. We can explore that a little later. He's been hanging around. He's been lurking about just outside. <laughs> Over in Fetter's Appliance Store. Uh, now, Paula, um, I understand you've visited... I just got back from Florida. You just got back from Florida. I was working in Florida. Okay. So I go into my hotel room in, I think it was Orlando. I think so, too. 58 degrees in the hotel room. In the hotel room. With air conditioning. They okay. put the air conditioning. 58 degrees. Yikes. If it was that cold outside in the wintertime, they would put the heat on. Florida is a major part of the problem. What problem? The, the you know, overusing things. The, the wasting electricity. Okay. Yeah. 58 so, degrees. Okay. And a lot of people that live in Florida move there because they're wussy and they didn't want to live in the cold. But then they go to Florida and they feel so guilty. Did right. they make themselves cold inside as well? I got to say, 58 degrees in a hotel room sounds like human error. It doesn't sound like anybody really wants 58-degree hotel room. No, you know what? There's like, a thing about David Florida. Letterman. This is the thing about Florida. Even in the, you know, in the heat of summer, you always have to bring a jacket wherever you go. Is this because true? If you, yes, because if you go inside, it is freezing. No, that's a Florida thing. That's a thing. It's a thing. They, I, but, I don't but know. But Florida is full of old people who are always cold. Exactly. This is my point. Maybe they just want to be able to wear their shawls. 
I guess. A lot of it's because there's a, a, big, a big push to crochet there. Crochet, yeah. Yeah, that's part right, of the Right, right. They, they start turning up the thermostat. It it rips the soul out of the crochet industry. I was in three different- Florida is owned by Big Crochet. It's it, Big Crochet is taking <laughs> I'm over sorry, Florida. You, you were saying- I was in three different cities in Florida, and I, I you know, performing on stage, telling my little jokes, and I- I didn't want to hurt their feelings, but I finally just blurted out, you live on a peninsula. You're going to be the first to go. They wow. Have, they have no sense. Right. Did, did anybody they, get up and leave? No, but there was some quiet weeping I could hear from the back. <laughs> I mean, they must it's know that. It's a horrible place point. to live. I don't know why anybody would live there. There's alligators. First of all, you know, it rains every day in okay. Florida. Yeah. It rains like at about five o'clock. It pours rain Just by the so way you're, hard. The way you're shit talking right now, I'm guessing you don't have any upcoming gigs in Florida. She does. Captain Crinkle just told me that you have a gig coming up in Florida. You sure oh, you want to go here? don't worry about that. Okay. Florida has a great sense of humor about themselves. Okay, great. Besides which, they'll be drowned by the time I get there. Okay. They, they, it rains about 5 o'clock every day, and it pours rain so hard that the alligators in the gully on one side of the highway right. float up and over to the gully on the other side. Of, they have That's alligators. True. Yes, it is. They don't they float, float big, out of the big, gullies. Like, rawr, rawr, I know, I know, you don't have to big, make alligator stuff. Big, I get it. Rawr, 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 Speaking of exotic animals. They don't even go rawr, rawr. You can't even fucking hear them coming. Yeah, they're just yeah, they're silent. maybe a little clicking on the yeah. tile in the kitchen. Speaking of exotic animals. They go, did you know that yes. some idiot released like uh, pythons in the, uh, in the Everglades? Okay. They're not. I did read about this. It's not a native species, right? So, uh, but it's they, an invasive you know, species. Therefore. So then they uh, the pythons procreated. I don't know. I guess they released a male and a female, but they procreated, and now there's tons of pythons in the Everglades, and they are paying just regular citizens, just like stay-at-home moms. To go uh, kill pythons. Kill pythons. Yeah, I read about to, that. To uh, make ends meet. Well, why don't you just? I think the pythons could help take care of the alligator problem. No, I don't. Th- I don't. You I, don't think so? I'm and then it's time to unleash sure. the dinosaurs. And I'm we're not done. sure who would win in a battle. I, I don't know, but you know who would know? Alligator. Not only our resident um, uh, exotic animal specialist, but uh, turns out he's from the state of Florida and has been quietly weeping in the corner this whole time. Oh, is that true? Anthony Alfaro? Anthony, what do you know about would who would win, an alligator or a python? Hold on, Anthony's coming over, and I hope that's not a python in your first. Pocket. First, we want to know who would win in a in a in a battle of words. Well, I want to start and say I take great offense to a lot of the things you just said. <laughs> yeah, you really don't get to. Uh, but, <laughs> but who would win in an alligator python face-off? It depends. Are we talking about in water or out of water? Oh, in that's water. That's a good question. There we got oh, in water. Okay. Swans, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everglades. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd say the alligator. Okay. Yeah. I really would. I would too. Yeah, but the other thing is, you with those snakes, man, you can cut them right in half, and then they just keep going. That's earthworms. Yeah. No, it's also Anthony. Well, it's rattlesnakes. <laughs> rattlesnakes, you cut the head off, and the head just keeps snapping. That's for a little not while. well. Maybe yeah. Yes, that's, that's, that's that, true. That's like yeah. Yes, it is. Chickens do too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of animals do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, and this is one of the animals that does it. <laughs> Thank you, Florida expert Anthony Alfaro. Where in Florida are you from, Anthony? Uh, I'm from Miami. Oh, Miami. So that's I'm like oh. a special yeah. little nook of. Oh Florida. yeah. Oh, by the way, visit your relative soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're not yeah. going to be there for long unless no, they're they. They're, unless that's my they're, mom. Um, People in Florida need to invest in floaties uh-huh. and barges. 
Yeah. That's, I'm going to work next week on a barge. That's the new club ah, that I'm... You're not going to play on a barge. I'm, I'm going to work on a barge. Well, let's hear it for Anthony, though. Cause, uh, thank cause you very much, He was willing Anthony. to step up I appreciate and, and take you, some Florida heat. You come... Uh, yeah. Get um, your mom off the peninsula, Anthony. See, I was in, I was in Orlando just like a year ago or two, two for uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I don't remember it being that cold there. It's cold inside. That's what I mean. I don't remember it being that cold inside. No, I heard your. They put on too much air conditioning. They're wasters there. They are wasters. Yeah, they're messing up that whole "don't waste things" thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's dangerous. It's dangerous for all of us. It's dangerous. Venice, you're on on notice too. If you want to make a little money, get down there and hunt pythons. (laughs) (laughs) I may have to do that in order to keep the show on the air because it costs so much money. Now, Paula, in addition to fighting pythons, every week you've been uh, you've got vocabulary words. Oh, I have a word this to week. share with us. Yes, uh, this week uh, the word is sesquip. Let me try it again. Sesquip, sesquipedalian. Sesquipedalian. It's sesquipedalian. Oh yes. my God! It almost killed me. Yeah. Uh, it's an adjective that means measuring a foot and a half. Yes. Or the second meaning is having many syllables, very long. Oh. Or the third meaning is given to using long words. Huh. Yeah. Captain Culpepper. Captain Culpepper was a sesquipedalian. Oh, he used long words? Oh, oh, oh look, everybody. It's our favorite he used denuded many, many long sock words. puppet. He was a sesquipedalian. The widow, Mrs. Culpepper. Now, uh, it's so nice to see you, Adam Felber. Now, now I under- are you recently widowed, Mrs. Culpepper? Oh, no, no, the captain uh, uh, used many uh, syllables a long time ago. He, uh, he passed quite a while ago now, Adam. All right. Uh, thank oh, I'm you sorry for to bringing hear up that painful memory. I, I didn't mean to make it painful, and I, I, I won't ask about uh, you know any any further details about the the captain's demise. Although I appreciate that the yeah, captain yeah. Uh, died many years ago. Heroically, I'm sure. Let's move on. Uh, no, 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 not, not heroically. Not, it was not uh, entirely heroic. Well, I'm sure he, received... he led a heroic life. Uh, he died at a, of a, a tyrotoxism. Tyrotoxism. Uh, yes, that's a poisoned by cheese or other dairy products. Well, any schoolboy knows that. Uh, so, so I'd imagine it was a cream cheese and a bagel, right? Uh, no, that's incorrect. It was uh, it was the Gouda that got him. Oh, that's terrible, Miss Culpepper. Well, I'm sorry to dredge up that memory. It was a painful memory. <laughs> I, uh, but I couldn't help thinking of the captain when I heard the word uh, sesquipedalian. Yes. Now, I it knew the word. It rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it, does. it? Well, you know how I knew the word is because it's so closely related to sesquicentennial, which is a 150-year anniversary. I didn't know that. And you substitute the cent with the ped, which is, you know, a, a root for foot. So it's a foot and a half. Sesquipedalian. Sesquipedalian. Yes. Of course. It's a great word. Actually, you know, Adam, I have had the hardest time remembering the words. Uh, yeah. I think the vocabulary word section of my brain looks like my desk. It's just piled with stuff in a disorganized fashion. So I've been trying to create a vocabulary song to bring yeah. some order to my memory. Yeah, you have been. Let me just say... I think to limited success. Really? So you're, they're not sticking in your head as a result? It, it, it's kind of just a, a loose and non-repeatable chant that That's you add a word all. to every That's week. That's not true at all. A lot of people, if you step out of the street, you hear a lot of people singing it. Uh, uh, you do not. All right, here's the best I can do. This week's word is sesquipedalian. Oh, you're it's in it already. It's an adjective meaning measuring a foot and a half. It can also mean having many syllables very long. Sometimes it's used to mean given to using long words. Last week's word was piquant. It's an adjective that means pleasantly savory, pungent. It can also mean engagingly provocative, also having a lively charm. 
The week oh, before that, almost that a little the bit world of melody there. It's a noun meaning disgrace or reproach brought from conduct considered shameful. Looking back, we also had clack. It's a noun that means individual or organized There's group. There's no resemblance to last week's rendition. In a theater. The week before that, the word was horologe. It's a noun that means timepiece as a clock. Watch your hourglass. The week before the word was probity, a noun meaning moral excellence, integrity. Another week back we had nugatory. It's an adjective that means inconsequential, worthless, having no force, inoperative. Adam didn't think it was the right word to describe the incorrectly prescribed antibiotic for my bladder infection, but she did, she did, she did, she did. Wow. Mrs. Wow, let's get Thank a round of applause here. Um, Mrs. Culpepper. Thank you, Mrs. Culpepper. Thank you, Mrs. Culpepper. Boy, she is now, good. Now, Paula, th- again. You can't remember that? No, because it's not a song. I mean, it's the only a way... It's a song. It's got a refrain. It, what's the refrain? <laughs> she did, she did, she did, uh, she did. A, I guess that's a refrain. It sounds like stuttering. Um, but, uh, you know, but the at the end now, you went almost completely uh, monotonal. Did I? Yeah, you just stayed on the same note like well, you were the, the El Pollo Loco theme song or something. This is a small studio, Adam. I can't bring my whole backup band with me. Okay, you can't bring your full range of uh, notes either? I can't, br- I can't fit <laughs> well, all my well, notes well, in you here, You can't fit your Adam? notes in here. I'm not going to ask Harry Arlov whether that's true or not. Uh, um, he's just not. Adam, answer the phone. What? Answer the phone. Oh, Paula, <laughs> goddammit, I don't want to answer the phone. Adam, answer the phone. It never goes well when I do. <laughs> the phone's ringing, for God's sake, Sandra. I don't hear it. Hello? Hey, Adam, it's me, Mike Bonifant. Uh, Mike Boom Boom Bonifant. So Mike good. Boom you, Boom You are so right, man. She cannot sing. That, I know how you even work with her, man. Well, she Mike. Can't, I can't remember any of those vocabulary words because she doesn't sing it good, man. I, I don't think you'd have remembered them anyway, Mike. I No, I would. <laughs> I would. I just got off my cycle. I just was riding my cycle, and I was trying to remember the words to this song. You can't do it. It's Michael, not really, it's not really Mike, a how song. are you calling in to a pre-recorded show? I'm sorry? How are you calling in to a pre-recorded show? It doesn't make sense. Well, I called. I dialed the phone. I, I got, oh, a, I got right. an iPhone thir- 13. I got an iPhone 13. There's no way you do, Mike. They're only up to 11 right now. Yeah, well, I'm ahead of my time. I guess uh, so, Mike. Uh, man, anyway, is there I anything you want to say? I really love you, Adam. I, uh, you're so uh, great, man. I love, thank you, I love Mike. watching a game with you and shit. We never you know? watch a game together, Mike. We've never, <laughs> I in fact, met. I love met. watching the game with you because the thing is, man, you're always right. Like, man, she, uh, that I, bitch cannot Now, hey there, Mike. <laughs> Mike. Man, I don't know how you stare. Paula Palmstone is my partner and friend. Oh, yeah, well, you, you, you're a goddamn saint. That's what you are. Michael, uh, Mike, oh, that, that talk is, is inappropriate. Saints. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, man, if you want to go for, you know, like a ride on our cycles together. Sometime, a ride on our cycles yeah, together? Yeah, my hog. I'm I really hog. don't. You don't want to go for a ride on our cycle? For one, I don't own a cycle. And for two, I don't want to do anything. I'll take you for a ride on my cycle. I don't want to go. <laughs> if we put our helmets on, nobody will know it's two guys. It's No, Mike, no. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. No, all you gotta do is put your helmet on. Nobody will know it's Mike. Why don't you go in the garage and like work on your Trans Am or something? Uh, uh, well, listen, Adam, it was good. Good talking to you. It wasn't yeah, good talking to a, you at all, Mike. You're doing a great job. I just want to say you're doing a great job. I don't uh, know how the hell you. you put up with her. Well. Well, the next word was appropriate. <laughs> oh man, she sucks. Mike, that come on, stop that kind of talk there. <laughs>
All right, goodbye, yeah, Mike. I'll call you when she's not there. We'll Please don't. Okay. Really, <laughs> she really does. I'll call you after, after the game. We'll talk after the game. No, we won't. She really does suck. Okay, bye, Mike. Uh, see you later. I'm good talking to you, man. Good oh, talking to you. Jesus Christ. No, um, <laughs> that's Mike Boom Boom Bonifit called. That's great. Now, Paula, you've been uh, asking for listeners uh, to send in a vocabulary song. Yes. And for weeks, no one sent in a song. Yeah, and it's finally, been a difficult time. Yeah. I've had to just keep creating my own song, and there's been some criticism. Well, for me and Mike Bonifit, uh, yeah, there's been some, Mike does not like my work. I, I do think that you're catching some what melody there is from a from a an old uh, show tune called The Lullaby of Broadway. I, I never saw that, so I couldn't have. Okay, fine. Um, but uh, so we realized that people weren't sending in. Um, vocabulary songs the way that they'd been sending in uh, theme songs for the show yeah. because it might be hard to um, you know look back in our archives and, and realize what all those vocabulary words well, were. Well there's another reason why people didn't immediately send in uh, vocabulary songs okay. which is uh, my song was so powerful. Right. You know it's like doing a remake of The Wizard of Oz you know what I mean? He's just gonna look bad. Of course, Paula Poundstone, that was another reason why we received no songs. <laughs> but also because there was no list of songs. But Tony Anita Hall has now gone back in our archives and posted a list of songs to our Facebook page. So if you want to write a... No, not a list of songs. She posted a, a list, list of, of vocabulary our vocabulary words. words to the Facebook page. So if yeah. you want to write the song, now you have the whole list right in front of you. However, I do want to point out that listener... Andrew Green went ahead and wrote us our very first vocabulary song. Oh, and he great. He re- sent it in to us, and he sent it in before, just before, Tony Anita Hull posted that list of words to the Facebook page. Which proves my point. Which is what? He knew the words from my song. Thank you, Andrew. That is kind of hard to conceive of, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, I'm sure that's what... I, I'm you know not what? sure that's When I put my song out on a 45, Which Andrew, one? you're it's doing the other side. It's a song every week. Uh, well, it's, it's a growing song. It's a growing song. It's, it's a gro- develops. Songs, songs don't grow. It okay. Develops. <laughs> they're, they're Tell that to Pete Seeger. Okay. Point taken. <laughs> Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because when Helix first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress. And she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress. And I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally. And everybody just piles on it. And it it's comfy. And yet, when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort 
and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and so comfortable that honestly, like right as I got them up to my waist, I I, I think my eyes closed. They're so it's a softness. It's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment. Honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. Anyway, um, Andrew Green, congratulations. You did the work and you're going to hear your song on our show. Let's listen to our very first vocabulary song from a listener. Horologe, horologe, timepiece watch, oh grandfather clock. I like to listen when it goes tick tock. That horologe is making a beat that rocks. Probity, probity, moral excellence, integrity. Trump has a lot less probity than me. Yeah. The jailhouse is where he ought to be. I'm feeling a need for a French horn in this song. It's beautiful. We just need a little French horn in the background. Nugatory, nugatory, <laughs> inconsequential, having no effect. Those antibiotics were nugatory for me. Thank you, Andrew. In treating the infection when I pee. <laughs> truckle, truckle, submit or behave obsequiously. Tom Hanks wants some petty force for treats. <laughs> Truckle to him to get him to Miranda Street. <laughs> I'll not truckle to Tom Hanks. Calumny, calumny, false or defamatory. Trump says the hearings are a calumny. 
He's guilty as hell, as anyone can see. So we've gone back to Trump here. Exiguous, <laughs> exiguous, very small in size or amount. Airline cookies are exiguous. <laughs> yes. You got to eat them so you won't be a sourpuss. Tyrotoxism, tyrotoxism, <laughs> poisoning from cheese or dairy products. Captain Culpepper died of tyrotoxism. Oh! If you ask, she'll say it was the Gouda that got him. Wow. That was fantastic, Andrew, Andrew. Green. Fantastic. <laughs> Andrew Green. Even Mrs. Culpepper liked it. That's, uh, that's I'm great. tearing up again. I'm tearing up. Now, I will say this. Um, Andrew did use most of the words that you have used in your songs. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he except, reached he, he reached back and got a few of the oldies but goodies. I think the only oldie the goodie I heard was exiguous. Tyrotoxism's not in my list. Well, it's in every show. Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, but, that yeah. was fantastic, fantastic, Andrew. Thank you so much. Listeners, if you want to send your original vocabulary song, we're at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. The bar is pretty high, but Well, the bar is now much higher than it was uh three minutes ago. Uh you know, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yards higher. Now, you know, President Lyndon B. Johnson said, a man without a vote is a man without protection. Voting is essential to all men and women. We'll talk about voting with Professor Fernita Tolson when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Now, Paula, it's the start of an election year, and there's going to be a lot of voting going on, I hear, in 2020. I hope so. Oscar voting, Grammy voting. Well, I don't care about those votings. There's another kind of voting I, coming I care up. about the other kind, though. Yep. People better do it. Yep. It brings to mind something H.L. Mencken wrote nearly a century ago. As democracy is perfected, the office of president represents more and more closely the inner soul of the people. On some great and glorious day, the plain folks of the land will reach their heart's desire at last, and the White House will be adorned by a downright moron. Wow! <laughs> he said that 100 years ago? He said that 100 years ago. Wow! And I just want to say, if you're out there somewhere in the ether, HL, we did it! We did it! <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I think he nailed that one, didn't he? Yep, he did. Now, you have some questions, because we might try to undo that damage in, 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 in the near future. You have some questions about 2020, don't I you? I have questions about, about voting. voting. Not only the voting in November, but voting at the conventions that determine who we'll vote for in November. Oh, yeah, the conventions. Those are interesting sometimes. No, we have someone here who can answer all those questions. Fernita Tolson is vice dean and professor of law at USC's Gould School of Law. Her scholarship and teaching are focused on the areas of election law, constitutional law, and legal history. She's testified before the House Judiciary Committee and her forthcoming book, In Congress We Trust, The Evolution of Federal Voting Rights Enforcement from the Founding to the Present, will be published in 2020 by Cambridge University Press. Please welcome, wow, Fernita Tolson. Wow, that's an impressive Thank array you. of, of things. You. Now, you weren't able to, when you testified before the House Judiciary Committee, you didn't ignore the subpoena? <laughs> it's the in thing to do now. Everybody's doing it. Right. I wanted to be one of the cool kids. Okay. Yeah. Well, but you did just right. 
It was um, an amazing experience. The universe owes me nothing. Like, you know, just the opportunity to talk about my research before people who can do something about it is an opportunity a lot of people don't get. So yeah. I was very grateful. Yeah, I mean, no, no, yeah. Congress has never asked for my research. What specific research were you testifying about? So I testified about the elections clause, which gives the states the control of the times, places, and manner of federal elections, but it's subject to Congress's authority to make or alter any state regulations. Oh. Um, so it gave me an opportunity to talk about the elections clause, which hasn't been a source of authority that Congress has traditionally relied on. I didn't know. So California could decide, and I think they should, that election day, the next federal election day should be on a Saturday, and they could do that subject to the override of the Congress? Is that true? Because uh, shouldn't we have election day on a weekend? No, they can't. <laughs> they can't? No. What about the elections clause? It's, uh, I believe when I testified to Congress. <laughs> yeah, I believe you so did. It applies to the, the federal elections, meaning senators and representatives. Oh, <laughs> not, not pres- national elections. Not presidential elections, okay. no. <laughs> That's interesting. So, um, so for example, there's a lot of controversy over gerrymandering, right? So, yeah. Yes. So states can draw the lines, and Congress could theoretically change the lines for federal elections, at least as for the election of uh, members to the House of Representatives. Well, why don't uh, they? Because they don't want to. A lot of the members of Congress benefit from the way that the lines are drawn. Um, And so they really aren't incentivized to do much about it. I have a friend, a former comedy writer, who is now running in the Ohio 4th. He's uh, hoping to uh, win the primary and replace Jim Jordan, who uh, a lot of people are watching on TV in the hearings. Um, They affectionately or unaffectionately call that district the duck. Because it is shaped like a duck, including with this incredibly long neck and then wide bill. It's a lot of districts like that. Does your friend wear a suit jacket by any chance? Just asking for Everybody wears a suit jacket to make up for Jim Jordan. Apparently, that's how they do a lot of the districts. Um, Instead of just taking like a graph paper and putting it over, you know, the state and then just, you know, doing a square or, or a triangle. Um, they take silhouettes of barnyard animals. Oh. <laughs> and so the Ohio 4th is drawn around a duck. That's correct. Well, I would, uh, by the way, I just want to say his name because he is running. Uh, Mike Larson, everybody. There you go, Absolutely Mike Larson. Worthy, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about Mike Larson. We could be promoting the wrong guy here. No, no, no. He's the right guy. Um, Trust me. Now, all right. Who tries to stop voters? Republicans. Is it, <laughs> is it really no? Is it really that easy? Yeah. So is there any is there any dem- instance of Democratic voter repression? So to be clear, if the Democrats were in the same position as Republicans, they probably would try to stop voters too. Oh, really? I see right? what you're saying. Oh, it's, it's, I know. Gosh. I was hoping we were you better know, it's, than it's that. It's the demographics. Right? And what it's ways not, do it's they? It's not that the Democrats are better. It's just that they're that suppressing votes turns away Democratic voters and not Republican voters. Right. So you know the Republican electorate is aging and it's shrinking, and so they do better when turnout is lower. So how do they stop people from voting? So there are a number of tried and true techniques that they use. So uh, voter purges are very common. Um, what does so that mean? a voter purge is where you take a name that is uh, similar to the name of a felon or similar to the name of a dead person, and you take it off of the the voter registration rolls. And so when the person shows up on election day, they're, they're not registered. They're not registered to vote. Um, so a, another does that thing, mean they have to fill out a provisional ballot in some states, or is that only in some states? In 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 all states, because of the Help America Vote Act, they have to um, fill out a provisional ballot. And um, but 
it's not really an effective remedy in some cases because it's, it's after the election. A lot of people don't follow through because they usually have to go to um, the county board in order to make sure their vote is counted. And oh, they don't, yeah. you know, if the election is over, there's a lot of work, then it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, voter ID laws are another popular way of uh, of suppressing the vote. Wait, what? Voter ID laws? Voter said? ID laws. Yes, because um, uh, in, in some states, particularly Texas and North Carolina, which are two states who have done a very good job of keeping me in business, um, they... Um, <laughs> Their voter ID laws were very restrictive. So Texas, for example, didn't allow student IDs. Um, but they w- you could vote if you had like a, you know, a hunting license or whatever. So, yes, I wow. remember reading about that. Wow. Hunting licenses are good, but student ID is not. <laughs> right, right. So right. what were they looking for then? A, a driver's license? Yeah, or a- you know, so they want some type of official documentation. But uh-huh. a lot of voter ID laws are tailored to disenfranchise certain populations. So right. in North Dakota, for example, they required that the ID have a an address on it, which a lot of people who lived on uh, reservations, there are no addresses. Oh, right? so, that's know, evil. Right, so I'm they... Sure, that got shot down in court. Didn't? No, I'm sorry. Did it, it go had... to court? It did. It went to court, uh-huh. um, and it's still pending. But um, you had a situation where in 2018, the, the uh, tribal governments were trying to print IDs with addresses, right? Trying to come up with addresses in order to make sure that their people could vote, uh-huh. um, because it's basically been upheld so far. Wow, that's super uh, evil. Yeah, yeah, that is super evil. Okay, so the Voting Rights Act. Yes. Now, a, a very important portion of that was struck down by the uh, the Roberts Court, I guess, one of its first things a few years ago. What's left of it? How do we preserve it? Why is it important? Wait a minute. Back up even further. What's the Voting Rights Act? Okay. Absolutely. So the Voting Rights Act was passed in 1965, um, and it was a really important piece of legislation. In fact, one of the most important civil rights legislations and pieces of legislation in our history, in part because it helped re-enfranchise African Americans in the South. Um, and one of the, the most successful provisions of the Voting Rights Act, which w- was Sections 4B and 5, which uh, are the preclearance provisions. The so what? The preclearance provisions. Preclearance. Right. So preclearance uh, required states, mostly in the former Confederacy. So there were some counties in California that were covered. Right. Um, portions of North Carolina were also covered, not the whole state. Uh-huh. Um, a couple counties in Arizona were also covered. Um, but these are uh, areas that had extremely low voter turnout, and they used some type of device designed to disenfranchise voters. So literacy tests, poll tax, things of that nature. Oh, wow. Um, and so these jurisdictions had to preclear any change to their voting laws with the federal government before that change could go oh, into effect. I remember that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, and but that was struck down. What I'm going to say, six years ago, 2013. Yes, 2013. Six because years. Because they ago. said they thought they'd outgrown that, right? Yes. They said we've we've we come in- so far. And it turned out the court was right, right? We have come that far, and there have been no laws to new laws that hurt voting turnout. I'm a law professor. I don't do sarcasm. So that one has kind of come back to bite us all in the ass, hasn't it? It has, definitely. Um, so since 2013, there have been a number of laws passed that are very restrictive, more restrictive voter ID laws, which I've talked about. You just talked about, yeah. They've closed polling places. Um, and when I say they've closed them, we're talking like over a thousand since 2013. Wow. Um, we've had situations where states like Texas and North Carolina, my two faves, <laughs> have, um, adopted really restrictive. I thought you didn't do sarcasm. <laughs> because there's no other Fuck. word for it, what you just did, but go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So wait, back up. Yes. I, I remember that the argument was that we've matured as a as a country, or these states, these areas had matured, and they didn't need this oversight anymore. 
Who made those arguments? So um, Shelby County is a county in Alabama who basically sued challenging the constitutionality of the coverage formula, in part because the record that Congress built in reauthorizing the coverage formula in 2006, um, the court found that it wasn't sufficient to justify the coverage formula, which they viewed as very intrusive of state power. Oh, so because there weren't that many attempts, it was wasted energy, according to the courts. So... Because things had gotten better, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, who wrote for the majority, felt that Congress had to show more intentional discrimination by the states in order to justify. And then the minute the cap comes off, there's the intentional discrimination. Exactly. Because they were waiting for the point where they'd be allowed to do it. Right. And they did it. They did it. Do you think that people sit at like a meeting, like the, the states that do these things, do you think that they have politicians that sit at a meeting and go like, okay, what are we going to do to keep blacks from voting? Yes. You think they actually use those words? Yes. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, And the Supreme Court has made it where they can say, what can we do to keep Democrats from voting? And the court smiles more favorably upon that, even if, you know, blacks are overwhelmingly Democratic voters. Uh Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's almost like it's a systemic problem. Um, So uh, let's let's move on because I'm going to cry. Paula, you want to talk about political conventions, I I understand. Yeah. What's a super delegate? Is it do they wear capes and do they rescue people? Do they rescue delegates or regular citizens? <laughs> I don't think anyone views them as heroes. And, uh, Super delegates, save us! That's the right, nobody sound of it. No I, don't, I have no idea. I don't even know what... Wait, I should back up even further. I don't even know what a delegate is. Okay. I don't understand. Because um, you elect the delegates too, don't you? Yes. So the, the primary process. So when you vote in a primary, you're basically voting for delegates that are pledged to a candidate. And the delegates go to the national convention and they vote for the candidate whom they're pledged to. Usually. 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 Um, Super delegates are not pledged to anyone. So these are the important people in the party. The Party operatives. The, yeah, the members of the DNC, uh, for example, are super delegates. And they, right. they go to the convention. They're not pledged to anyone. Now, is this Republican and Democrat or just Democrats Super delegates this? are just on the Democratic side. Oh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you say nobody really loves super delegates. And I, I think they have families and kids but beyond that um i said they're not heroes they're not you said they're not heroes but are they because i mean aren't they there to prevent sort of like a democratic version of a populist intolerant demagogue from rising to the top of the ticket like sometimes might happen in some of the other parties that we in theory yeah in theory um that in, in, in theory but um but it's still this idea that regular people just somehow aren't smart enough to vote. And <laughs> right? Yes, but it, so there's some tension between sort of this idea of the people voting in primaries, selecting delegates, deciding who the nominee should be, and then superdelegates coming in and challenging that outcome. Right. right? That can create huge party problems for the party. Yeah. Um, and so what the Democratic Party did was they now superdelegates are not allowed to vote into the second ballot. Because they wait, w- what second ballot? Well, oh, if, if nobody a, has just more when than I think <laughs> I have a handle on it, there's a fucking second ballot. Well, these yeah. conventions used to be really exciting because the, you know the whole party would get together and they would cast these votes, and if, if you didn't have like a majority, right, right. you if need you, an outright majority, then they'd get to vote again. Yeah, conventions used and to be cool. Keep going until you have a majority. 
Um, And so superdelegates don't vote on the first ballot. And this is a way of trying to diminish their ability to affect the outcome. Uh Um, Now, they still can be tiebreakers, right? If things become long and protracted, they can still weigh in. So how many votes then do they do? uh, It depends. Uh Yeah, you can, if the field remains, you know, somewhat large and people say in, you could end up with a broker convention where you have a number of rounds. And when was the last time that happened? Sorry, Paul. 1976 on the Republican side. Oh. It was a broken co- broker convention because neither Gerald Ford nor Ronald Reagan emerged with the majority of the delegates. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. Um, all right. So I've been at uh, both a Republican convention and a Democratic convention. And um, and several uh, other conventions. No, just those. You haven't played and, any uh, other conventions? Come uh, on. Did, 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 Pipe fitters. No, I haven't been to the pipe fitter convention. Um, but my experience was that it was theater. It is. It, that it was really nothing. Nothing was happening. Um, oh, but what about when they took out the plank? It's not really a plank, is it? Um, what about when they took out the the plank about Russia in the Republican convention? What does that mean? So the convention is about both choosing a nominee and selecting a platform, right? Uh-huh. And so. Whoever the nominee is has a lot of control over what the platform will be. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, that that case in point, removing that plank is a decision made by the nominee and his his supporters. And the platform is what their intentions are what when the they're in. What the party stands for. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so in the case of the Republicans at the last Republican convention, there was some sort of last minute Paul Manafort thing to take out. What was it? They were it was sanctions. Uh, Russian uh, sanctions against Russia. Right. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. And so they can. It's 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 aspirational in a sense, right? Uh-huh. Because remember, we still have bicameralism and presentment, and I will explain. What's it. bicameralism? Not, oh, so, you, you, yeah. you had to say I'm bicameral. Going, I am so sorry. That was, I no, that, no, no I don't know bicameralism. You know what it is. So, I know it was it what happened on I Love Lucy, where there were two cameras. <laughs> Shooting that's, when that's a multicam. So I, I say that only to, to point out that the you say platform, that to make me feel stupid. That's no, why you said it. No. And by the way, boom, hit hit, hit the nail right I on the head. I can't even say the word this week. Sesquipedalian. It's uh, sesquipedalian. Sesquipedalian. Yes. Yeah. See, yeah, bicameral, I believe, <laughs> falls into that. that. That's a foot and a half word. <laughs> So I the I, I say that only to point out that the platform is aspirational. Right? Uh-huh. So it's anything, sort of like a it's sort of like a New Year's resolution. It is. It, uh-huh. that's, that's a great way of thinking about it because any changes policy changes that the president wants to enact, he still has to go through Congress and uh-huh. the procedures laid out in our Constitution. So the and to be clear, by are, bicameralism, you meant two houses of Congress. Two houses of Congress have to approve it. President has to sign it. Right. So. So why did anybody give a shit? Why why was there such a, a a fuss made over the fact that they took that plank out? Why does anybody care what's in the platform I if it's, it's just, not real? Well, I don't I don't mean to suggest that it's not real, especially since I think all of this is tied to broader concerns about Russia interfering in our elections. Yeah. And I think it, it contributes to that narrative. Um, and, you know, the platforms tell us a lot about the parties. right? Uh-huh. To, in, in 2019, can we really say we didn't know what President Trump was about in 2016? He said it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and the platform tells us a, a lot about that narrative. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know if you guys heard, but today um, apparently Russia hacked uh, Peloton. Is Peloton. This, <laughs> seriously? Yeah. You mean the the the, the uh, fashion outlet? No, the wor- the workout. The, no, the workout uh, bikes. Yeah. With the screens, uh, they hacked it, and they uh, are changing people's workouts. They're changing people's workouts. Yeah, Vladimir 
Putin is changing people's workouts. To what? Uh, some people, they're making him go slower, and some people, they're making him go faster. And why would Putin want that, Paula? He just likes to be in control. I feel like... Yeah. I feel like you've kind of vanished onto some of the some of the crazier parts of the internet sometimes for your political. No, reading. I don't think the Ukrainians did it. Well, I don't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Russia That's... make me skinny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come twenty twenty, all the Republicans will be in better shape on their way to the polls. Oh my lord! Um, now, what can we do as regular people to ensure voting access for all? Because that's become something that we all get really frustrated about. So. The, the the easy response is to say vote, right? But we focus so much on the presidential election. There are a lot of state and local elections that matter, right? These are the elections that affect our daily lives. Um, and so it's really important to turn out in off-year elections and, and vote in state and local elections as well. Um, but also, you know, people can volunteer to be poll watchers, Right there. That's a, right. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. You can you you sign up a few weeks before elections and you can um, monitor the polls and make sure that there's um, that poll uh, workers are behaving correctly. But you can only that, sign up in your area, right? Yeah. You can yeah. only sign up in your area. But you can also practice poll watching. How? <laughs> How, Paula? How would you practice poll watching? Well, How, Paula? You can find a poll. Just out on the street. Like a street lamp. Um, yes. And just watch it. It's a way of practicing. Do you just want to apologize to everyone now? Or should... <laughs> All right. So you can volunteer to be a poll watcher where you go to the place where the voting takes place. Yep. And uh, but I what feel do you like do? Just look at them? Yeah. You, you watch them to make sure there's yeah. no irregularities. Yeah. Uh -huh. And you can report things because this information is really helpful to civil rights organizations who litigate these issues now what might a poll watcher now i i feel like in my neighborhood everybody who shows up to vote gets a chance to vote and it, yeah. it's all run pretty well but in other neighborhoods you can also be a poll dancer keep that that's in mind. a different thing paula <laughs> <laughs> and that is something you can practice that's on where the street you just, that's where you just dance while people are trying to vote yeah yeah you can be a poll watcher in that context too, P-O-L-E watcher. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah you could, you absolutely good. But it's a different thing, as we oh, were saying. Oh, it's different. Now, what might a poll watcher in a district where nefarious things going on, what might they see? Like just a regular layman shows up, they're watching the polls, what might they see that's worth reporting? Um, so there, there have been attempts to intimidate voters outside okay. of polling places. Um, there's a certain distance that you can't do any kind of uh, electioneering, yeah, like you there, can't wear t-shirts certain... saying, you know, Bernie or, or There's you know. a certain distance, um, and it varies by state, uh, but you, people can still try to intimidate voters. Uh, uh -huh. People can still give voters misinformation. That's uh, a big one, right? Yeah, that's a, especially in this day and age, that's a huge one. Um, right. But there's also, you know, instances where poll workers have given people misinformation. You have to remember, these are people who volunteer as well. Yeah. A lot of times they're older people. They may not be clear on the law. Yeah. Um, and so these are all important things that poll watchers can observe and report. Mm -hmm. All right. That's that's good to know. Um, now, another thing is it's touchy to bring this up. But, you know, whenever you talk to um to uh, watch a panel of Republicans and Democrats together talking mm -hmm. about voting rights and stuff something like that, almost always the Republicans will bring up voter fraud as a reason for things like voter ID laws. So let's talk about voter fraud as objectively as possible. Does it happen? Do people show up and vote who are not qualified to vote on purpose? Or do people show up multiple times or vote as other people? How much does that happen? Um, it doesn't, really. Okay, uh, I have something to confess. Yeah. <laughs> I one time said that I was Celine Dion. 
<laughs> she's Canadian. She doesn't know that. Yeah, but the people at the polling place probably did. I said that I'm here to vote, and, and I'm Celine Dion. Did and, they let uh, you vote? Yeah. So they didn't believe you is really what you're saying. <laughs> I just, maybe the one time this happened. How come they keep saying it <laughs> if it's not true? Well, it, it, it resonates. Yeah. Because um, remember, Republicans benefit when turnout is low. Right. right. And when they can pass laws that restrict the turnout. Uh-huh. Um, the, actually, the most common fraud is absentee ballot fraud. And so when people, for example, if people live in nursing homes and someone fills out the ballot on their behalf, that's the most common type type of fraud. Uh Um, And voter ID laws wouldn't address that type of fraud. Okay, so the the fraud that happens wouldn't get addressed by the laws that are being passed to stop it from happening? No, no. Someone did a recent study. I think there were, since 2000, something like, I don't know, a a billion ballots cast. And I think there were like seven instances of voter fraud. Yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of uh, Republicans. I was one of them. So there's just six. Yeah, right. I was Celine Dion. You were you were never Celine Dion. I know, but I said I was. I uh, feel uh, awful about it now. You shouldn't really. What do they mean when they talk about a paper trail of, vo- of voting? What does that mean? So um, uh, there are quite a few. Is that what Trump had when he was coming down the steps that time That's and the toilet, toilet paper, paper was no, stuck to his foot? Different. That was a paper trail of voting. <laughs> paper trail of bad voting. You can go to our website to see that photo. It's hilarious. <laughs> All right, so what do they mean when they talk about a paper trail of voting? So it's, it's a backup um, because uh, some areas use the optical touch screen machines oh, to vote. Oh, Jesus, I hate And so things. having a paper trail is important because there's a, a huge error rate with those machines. How are votes, like, how are votes counted then? Does somebody actually go through by hand counting? Well, it, it varies by state, just like the technology varies by state. Uh-huh. Um, so let's say you have a really close election. Um, some states provide that if the candidates are within one half of 1% of right. each other, there's an automatic machine recount, uh-huh. um, for example. Uh, some states provide for hand recounts in certain instances. So it really does vary by state how votes are counted. Well, you know, I sell a remarkably soft tri poly blend t-shirt with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back. That's true. When I bring them on the road with me, when I pack them, you know, I have to count the T-shirts. And I'm only putting like eight of each uh, style and size into the bag, and I still miscount. And so do the people on the other end who do the selling. So how do they... If you're counting like thousands of ballots, how do they know that the people counting them did? That was right? beautifully kitchen table, yeah. Paula. I was about to do my usual thing. Is like, how oh, is that relevant to what yeah. we're doing? It was completely oh, yeah. relevant. It was, nice. uh, of course, it was relevant. We don't know, though. Right? <laughs> we don't know. No. So we, the estimate for the failure rate in presidential elections is two to four percent, right? Just in terms of ballots being uh, not counted. Uh-huh. Even though they should be counted, mm-hmm. um, or you know, other mistakes that may have been made in the counting, um, two to four percent because we don't know. Okay, yeah. but two to four percent, assuming that it's not nefarious on you know, miscounting, that's going to balance out over any individual state to to not change the result of the election, right? Are you? Is that an assumption? I'm asking. Sounded like an assumption. <laughs> Sounded like an assumption. I, you know, you don't I, know. I don't know. Right? I don't know, and I don't. I think we. I want to believe that. Right. But I don't. I haven't. I've never actually read that anywhere. Okay. <laughs> uh, I want to. I want to sign on to it. I'm just. I'm, like, just I'm just suggesting. It's a happy that, idea. What I'm suggesting is mathematically yeah. in randomly miscounted votes. If they are randomly miscounted in a close election, yeah. the, the mathematically speaking, you end up with with a with a relatively fair result. However, if somebody's got their thumb on the scale, that's where things change. I just it makes me uncomfortable 
because of the electoral college. Right. right. So it can't really balance what, Why? Why, why do we even have the electoral college? <laughs> I, didn't, I couldn't get the into the electoral college, by the way, <laughs> even though I photoshopped my face on an athlete. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that should work. Yeah, it did for somebody. I don't know uh, anything about that. So why, why do we have the electoral college? So the Electoral College is, in some ways, it's, um, a relic of the past, right? So was it, it, was, it, it was originally, I'm sorry, original, you go ahead and answer. Part what of the am original I saying? Constitution, you know, and um, part of the the argument for having it was, um, so in the southern states, a substantial portion of the population was enslaved. And so they knew if there was a direct election for president, they would never be able to pick the president, right? So the Electoral College gave them a way of counting the slaves without enfranchising them because so they counted them but they didn't vote right oh, because wow. slaves counted as three-fifths of a person for pur- purposes of apportionment um for to the house of representatives and states are accorded electors based on the number of representatives they have and senators this is why the first what six or seven presidents were from virginia <laughs> right? oh like right yeah, okay that know. makes sense yeah so um <laughs> no one has a feeling that we've outgrown that I think everyone does, right? It's unless, you know, if you live in a, a state that southern states would be against any proposals to get rid of the Electoral College. Um, red states would be against any proposal to get rid of the Electoral College because it gives those states a built-in advantage. Right. And um, small states, too, because they um, maintain their representative representation by having two senators the same as everybody else. Yeah. yeah. So Wyoming and California have the same amount of senators, which is ridiculous. Yeah. That is kind of ridiculous. Um, and Rhode Island? Two. Yeah. 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 Keep asking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like being in front of the House Judiciary Committee? Did they seem like just people? Did you picture them naked? That's what... <laughs> oh, why would she do that? Because in the Brady Bunch, when uh, I think one of the kids had to make a speech and they were very nervous... Um, someone counseled them to just... That was put... on a Brady Bunch episode? Yeah. No. Yes, it was. I think it was uh, the, yeah. the youngest uh, son who... Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah. Who later had a porn problem. Um, Did he? I, I was Well, because there. he kept picturing people <laughs> naked, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking about the actor. <laughs> no. those kid no, actors no, always end up with some no, kind of not, problem. No, not the actor, no. Uh, no, Bobby. <laughs> you know Bob, Bobby Brady. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, big porn problem. Um, okay. All right. So, uh, Mike didn't know, uh, and uh, Carol had no idea. Alice knew. Um, so, yeah. So were you nervous? Were you nervous talking I in front was, of them? I was nervous initially. Um, it was a... The and then after a while, you just sort of loosened up and threw a ball with them? What? Yeah, I loosened up. It was, you know, I took advantage of the moment. I would love to testify for Congress, before Congress. Love to. Yeah. I'd like to testify before Congress myself. Yeah, wouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would like to testify before Congress. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Culpepper. <laughs> I would very much like to testify before Congress. Mrs. Culpepper, I'd love to see you testify before Congress. I would wear my red sateen dress no matter what Tom Hanks says. I will not truckle to Tom Hanks. Well, that's just wonderful, Mrs. Culpepper. We'll um, get back to you in a moment. What, uh, if you could say, what, what do you feel is the most important thing that people should know about all this? Sounds so trite to just say vote, but <laughs> no, but that's really yeah. what it keeps coming down it to, doesn't does. it? Does it really does? And 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 I think it's important, and one reason we have to keep reiterating it is because people feel like their vote doesn't count. Yeah, right, right. And you know, we really have to get over that because um, as long as people feel that way, if enough people feel that way, nothing changes. Yeah, and so it, it really is important to vote um, and vote in off year elections. 
Yeah. Right. Although we did better the last time, right? The last yeah. half year election. Democrats yeah. did well in 2018. Yeah. 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 Keep it up. Keep it up. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Paula, yeah, you've got this giant amount of information oh from, from, from Nick Dalton. And thank you so much for it. Yeah, thank you. Given all this, what can you synthesize to give our listeners about voting? House Bend, Harry Orloff. Could I have some background music for my synopsis on voting? Thank you, Professor Fran Tolson. You've got to vote. You've got to vote no matter what. I'm not a fan of football, but you've got to vote like a guy running up the field with the ball. They'll try to grab your shirt from behind with gerrymandering your district into the shape of a duck, but pull away and keep running. They'll try to tackle you by not accepting student IDs, but get a goddamn hunting license, cut left, and keep fucking running. They'll try to run you out of bounds by taking away the voting acts right of 1965, but stiff on them and leap over them. They'll close voting places and give you misinformation, but jump over them and keep running. Vote in off-year elections. Study your ballot. Vote in local elections. Don't let anything stop you. Run for local office. Score! Vernita Tolson's forthcoming book, In Congress We Trust, The Evolution of Federal Voting Rights Enforcement for the Founding to the Present, will be published in 2020 by Cambridge University Press. Thank you so much for being here on our show, Vernita. That was fantastic. That was just wonderful. All right, coming up, The Ballad of Captain Culpepper. That's a special treat, and we'll hear it right after this. The Cat of the Week is Tweedledee from East Lansdowne, Pennsylvania. People listen to the news, people listen to the blues, people listen to the breeze, blowing gently through the trees, people listen to their friends, when they're feeling all alone, but nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, oh nobody listens, on your radio or even on your phone but nobody listens to Paula Poundstone yeah nice that was just beautiful now you you uh nobody's out there might remember that that was a um that was a submission for our theme song contest which is still ongoing by the way we're still in a hunt for still ta- still taking theme songs but that was one that, that was that a we, fantastic one we played it over a year ago why are we playing it tonight because tonight's house band, Harry Orlov, was the creator of that theme song. The voice that you heard, Harry Harry Orlov, everybody. Fantastic. Over a year ago, it was one of the first entries in our theme song contest, I think. And it was it was just wonderful. It holds up. It really does. A year later, I'm still enjoying Chicago it. Chicago-style blues holds up. I mean, it has lasted a while. Now, now Harry, i got to ask you, that's a real Hammond B3 organ there in the background. Yes, oh, my God, yeah. It just sounds fantastic. Um, all right, but there's something else fantastic a new, that's happened. A new song. A new tune has come our way. But it's not for our theme song contest, and God, goodness knows it's not for our vocabulary word contest. It's not for any contest. Now, you might remember... It's listener for love. Ke- it's for love. No, it's not for love either. You might remember listener Kevin Kelso, who uh, inexplicably does love us. Um, he wrote us a theme song. He's been our house band. He submitted, without any uh, solicitation... Uh, just a week or two just ago. out of the blue. Out of the blue. Um, a ballad about Captain Culpepper. It's entitled Captain Culpepper's Last Stand. Oh, ma. That's right. Mr. Culpepper, I'm glad you could be here because um, someone I'm is so take- excited to hear this song. 
Now, uh, Mrs. Culpepper, I do want to warn you before we start this song that given the, the title, I, I think it might bring up some painful memories for you. This whole show is nothing but a painful memory for me. <laughs> All right, then. then. Then this probably shouldn't be any worse. Kevin Kelso with Captain Culpepper's Last Stand. Captain Culpepper had had a distinguished career Though the branch that he served in was never really clear When he told his darling wife his days in uniform were through Mrs. Culpepper prepared him a big retirement due Well, the revelry went on to the dawn's early light But it ended abruptly with a horrifying sight Captain's bulging eyes told everybody what was wrong. Tyrotoxism from cheese that was sitting out too long. Oh my! And that was Captain Culpepper's last stand. The bravest soldier, or possibly sailor, in the land. His retirement was much shorter than he'd planned. Nobody stabbed him with a bayonet or shot him. In the end, it was the Gouda that got him. <laughs> now the captain was well known as a fromage connoisseur Probably smuggled in that cheese himself, the authorities concurred The fatal stuff was pretty rare, the fancy raw milk kind The sort of thing you'd have to go to Amsterdam to find Which led to Captain Culpepper's last stand Yes, he was done in by his own gourmet contraband But at least his final morsel wasn't bland He'd still be with us now if customs would have caught him Cause in the end it was the Gouda that got him It was Tyrotoxism means poisoning by cheats Very real and sometimes deadly disease So refrigerate your Goudas and your Stiltons and your Breeze to internal temperatures no more than 45 degrees. Remember Captain Culpepper's last stand? He choked to death on a swollen salivary gland. If he'd only had an EpiPen at hand, he could have jabbed it in his heart just like they taught it. But in the end, it was the Gouda that got him. Yes, in the end, it was the Gouda. Not a shark or a barracuda Tyrotoxism's no joke Look it up on your computer In the end it was the Gouda That got him <laughs> That was so moving Oh, Miss Culpepper So moving, Kevin Thank you so much Miss Culpepper, was that, was that accurate towards what happened? That was the exactly end? what happened That's how it happened it's... Kevin captured the moment I wonder how he did that Because he wasn't there, was he? Wasn't he wasn't there He must I, I don't know Maybe read it in the paper No, he, that's quite about So it was a sort of big affair It was a party It was a huge party And a terrible loss And now, now uh, there is some question As to what branch of the service The captain was in uh, we haven't were, been able to narrow that down and with all your many appearances on the show, Mrs. Culpepper. He was, he was a military man. 
Okay. He was in the military. Okay. That's as specific as he ever got with you? Or? He, he went with any branch that needed him. <laughs> well, I don't think that's possible. He was special forces. <laughs> All right. Uh, Adam Ferber is a French Trump. Oh, French Trump, uh, our other hand puppet. Uh, soon has to be Rudy Giuliani. Come, my friend, sit with me on this bus bench for a moment. Oh, a park bench for a moment with really bus bench, bus, bus, b- bench. bus bench, bus bench. Got oh, it. Oh, here comes the bus, Rudy. Oh, <laughs> stand up and lean over. <laughs> I dropped a quarter. <laughs> oh, oops, Rudy. So sorry. Uh, so, French Trump, are you fixing to throw Rudy Giuliani under a bench? I am throwing <laughs> Rudy Giuliani under. A bat. Now, why I that? am thinking of a mean name for you, Rudy Giuliani. Oh, one of your trademark nicknames. I've thought of a mean name for you, Adam Felbert. Adam Felbert, the welder. The welder? We. Oui. So, Felbert the welder. That's right. That's right. You'll feel the sting of my mean name. I, I don't even see how it's mean. We, in fact, had a professional welder on our show. Aha! Uh, and he was a lovely gentleman. Adam Felbert, the welder. I will not stop saying it to you, Adam Felbert. The bringing of impeachment to President Donald J. Trump is a congressional opprobrium. Opprobrium? Oui. An act of congressional opprobrium is what you meant to say, I think. I said what I meant, Adam Felbert, the welder. Oh, ow, that stings. Wait, don't call me you, that name. You will feel the sting of my mean name, Adam Felbert. I'm surprised that you didn't show up for our entire voting section, which took up the bulk of this show. I showed up now to discourage people from voting. Why would you? Why would people be discouraged having heard you? I mean, I, I don't understand what you're... Um, because now... I'm telling people, do not listen to that professor or to Paul Stern. Nobody listens to Paul Stern. People listen to, ah, French Trump. Do not vote. Oh, that's your message. Yeah, that's my message. Okay. That's my message. Your message. No, no, no. Oh, ew. Do not vote. No, that's not Adam working. Adam Felbert, the welder. Ouch. Again, not sure what that insult is, but I, I can tell you mean it, it in a mean a way. It is a stinging rebuke. All right. Well, uh, French Trump, I, I, I just, I have, to, I have to wonder why you're throwing Rudy Giuliani under a bus. Uh, because he knows where the bodies are buried. Where are they buried? Uh, in Deutsche Bank. <laughs> I got you to tell me, just like that. Adam Felbert, they well down. <laughs> no one listens to you. Okay. Well, no one believes you. I, I, I know they don't. You, uh, you know nothing. You're a crazy man. You are, uh, there's something wrong with you. Like, like Shifty Shif. Shifty Shif. Yeah, Shifty Shif. There's something wrong with him. Yeah. Uh, impeachment is a disgusting word to me. I'm sure it is. It's not even pronounced like that, you know. It, what? It's, impeachment. It's impeachment. 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 I am French Trump. Aha. Uh-huh. Again. I am point, French Trump. It is impeachment. Can I talk to Paula, French Trump? Uh, yeah. Adam, what can I do for you? Well, I hear you're going to be on the road, Paula. Oh, I am. I am. I, I love being on the road, but I hate self-promotion. Right. I know you do. And so we're, we've decided as a group we're going to skip that at this point. I'll be in San Fran on New Year's Eve at the Sydney Goldstein Theater, formerly the Norse. And on February 29th, I'll be in Dallas, Texas at the Windspear Opera House. Dallas, Texas? Yeah. That's a good place. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big hats. Big, yeah, big hats, big cattle. Uh, now, um, 
at those events, Paula, are you going to have Paula Poundstone's Pussy Pillows available? I do have Paula Poundstone's Pussy Pillows, uh, which are a uh, homemade cat toy stuffed with cat nip right. uh, with a cat joke on one side and on the other side. Uh, and by the way, a grommet in case you want to tie uh, a string to it and pull it for your cat. But you don't go ahead and tie a string to it. That's extra. I'm not tying a string for you. Jeez. Okay, wow. Yeah. It just seems like that should be an accessory. That would be a really... No, the gr- I, but the grommet is there. Yeah, but you could include a piece of string for virtually nothing. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. So, uh, but, okay. Yeah, it's a lot of work for me. Uh, you could just tie get it to the a string. Gr- get the string. Uh, so uh, there's a cat joke on one side and the other. The other side is pristine and empty, just waiting for me to autograph it to your cat. Really? Yeah. People. Okay. Uh, now, now you've been selling a lot of these, right? I've, they've been flying off the Wendell's shelf. Wendell's had to be like sitting there sewing, like a, like a sweatshop. Wendell, <laughs> Wendell has made a factory. Out of my son's old room. <laughs> and, and how many How many have you sold so far, like, in total, do you think? Oh, I don't know. Many. 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 Now, yeah. and, and you unapologetically now build them as Poundstone's Pussy Pillows? Not unapologetically, but I do build them as Poundstone Pussy Pillows. That's the best name we have so Poundstone far. Poundstone Pussy Pillows. Yeah. Well, I'm quietly proud that I came up. Now yeah. I'm loudly pl- proud that yeah. I came up with yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's know? a very clever name. I thought I was being just sort of a rascal in the moment, but it seems like it seems like nobody's no. bothered to no. rename them. No things. one can no one can think of them any other way than Poundstone Pussy Pillows. Okay. Do you have a sign for them yet? Um, no. I think that's the next yeah. step. Yeah. You might yeah. want to well, think about you know, that. Well, you know, you got to you got to earn the money to put the money in, you now, know what I mean? Last question about the Pussy Pillows. Yes. Are they available yet on your website? They're not because that would require Wendell <laughs> <laughs> mailing them to people, and I—it's just going to shove him over the edge. <laughs> he's got—he's got pillows to sew. Wendell, Wendell can't take one more thing. Is that why there's no strings tied to those grommets? I asked Wendell to get the strings; he wouldn't do it. Okay, well that explains a lot then. Okay, so if you want the pussy pillows, you got to come to her shows. If you want to come to her shows, you can find out about all her upcoming performances at paulapoundstone.com. We'll be back right after this. According to climate scientists, we have 10 years and 5 weeks until the Earth begins to become uninhabitable. Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like The Babadook Director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone Director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. (laughs) It's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. Hi, I'm Renee Colbert. I'm Alexis Preston. And we're the hosts of the smash hit podcast, Can I Pet Your Dog? Now, Alexis. Yes. We got big news. Uh Uh-oh. Since last we did a promo, our dogs have become famous. World famous. World, like, stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Second big news. Mm -hmm. The reviews are in. Mm Mm-hmm. Take yourself to Apple Podcasts. You know what you're going to hear? We're happy. It's true. We're a delight. A great distraction from the world. I like that part a lot. So if that's what you guys are looking for, mm-hmm. you got to check out our show. But what else can they expect? We've got dog tech, dog news, celebrities with their dogs, all dog things. All the dog things. So if that interests you, well, get yourself on over to Maximum Fun every Tuesday.
On this day in unremarkable history, Louisa May Alcott said, Big girls, how's that sound for a title? Welcome back, all you nobodies. Now, Paula, uh, I guess we're at the end of the show, because this is the part of the show where in most weeks you offer up some message to the fans. I have a message. Oh, but we ran out of time. No, no. Anthony, we're out of tape, aren't we? No, I I don't think so. I think there's still time. Okay. Adam, I think I speak for both of us when I say that we love doing this show. And I know that our fans love it because just the other day in the restroom in the Bangor, Maine airport, a woman said to me, could you move? I'm trying to get a paper towel. But I knew that what she meant was, I'm such a fan of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Oh, that's psychotic. It's so good to laugh and learn a little something. I feel like I'm right there in the tiny studio with you. And Adam is wrong about your tri-poly blend t-shirts. They are remarkably soft. I think she was just asking for the paper towels. No, no. The problem is that we can only keep making the show if we increase the number of listeners that we have. And, of course, the best way to do that is by word of mouth, each listener telling their friends and family that they enjoy the show. So our message is, listeners, if you're out there, tell your friends and family. Let's move on. No, 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 no. Unfortunately, Adam, here's what you don't realize. Many people find this an awkward conversation. Uh, So I have written some simple sample dialogue to break that ice. Try this. (sighs) Listener. I'm glad we get a chance to walk and talk. Now that you're way out here in Santa Monica, I hardly ever see you. What a quaint neighborhood of latte vendors and boutique shops. Boy, the woman in that napkin store sure got upset when you asked if they had placemats. Jesus, that's a weird-looking dog. Listener's friend. It's a great Chihuahua. A Great Dane Chihuahua mix. A lot of people here have them now. There's a clothing store for them on the next block. Listen, congratulations on your show. It's fantastic. Move over, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Making a musical version of Shawshank Redemption makes Hamilton look pedestrian. I mean, songs like, Welcome to Shawshank, you can hear the bars clank, you shouldn't have thrown the gun in the lake. That was a mistake. New fish, new fish, new fish. Now you're in here with us, no more asparagus. I mean, who thinks of stuff like that? No more asparagus. Listener. Thanks. I just... This store must be going out of business. They only have one shirt. Listener's friend. No, this store's been here for years. They only sell one shirt. And I think you made the right choice, having the attacker's first approach in the shower scene be really upbeat. Everyone needs a friend in here. I could be your friend in the end. It's not love. It's a violent shove. Your musical is more popular than the movie ever was because you didn't let it get dark. And the finale, when they sprinkle brown water in the audience and Andy sings, shit, 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 I'm crawling through, shit, 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 I'm crawling through, shit, 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 it's triumphant. How did you ever think of it? Listener, well, there's something I never told you before. Listener's friend, you're gender fluid? Listener, no, I mean, I don't know, I don't think so. I'd tell you that. What I didn't tell you is that I listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast. I wanted to tell you, but it felt awkward. See, Adam? Oh, I see. Listener's friend, and Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast, taught you how to make Shawshank Redemption into a musical? Listener, no. It's just that it's such a funny, creative show. It's been so good to see Adam grow close to Mike Boom Boom Bonifat. It just fires my imagination. That's not even close to true. Listener's friend, wow. I'm going to listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast, too. Do you want to get a latte? 
Listener, sure. Listener's friend, remember when you order, they don't have whipped cream. It's consequenced cream. Oh, wow, Paula. Yeah. That's so you see, sim- this could be helpful. In no way to anybody. I mean, it, it, it's, it's... Two friends walking through Santa Monica. Yeah, but it's like some kind of Talking weird... about one friend's success with the musical Shawshank Redemption. Exactly. And, and if that situation comes up, I guess you'd... Off- We've got another listener. It's one listener at a time, Adam. That's how you do it. But why is Santa Monica so Fellini-esque in your vision here with... with stores that sell one t-shirt and and Great Dane Chihuahua mixes and stuff like that. That's exactly what it's like up on Montana Street. It's exactly what it's like. You know what? To be fair, you live there and I don't. So, Paula, I hope if this does happen in your neighborhood of Santa Monica that uh, that it unfolds exactly like this and we get one more listener. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, nobody's remember, if you are one of our listeners and you want to get in touch with us, uh, our email address, again, is nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. And you can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find my remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirts with the self-portrait on the the left left breast breast and and the memorable quote on the back at paulapoundstone.com. Yeah, you can. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Technical direction by Ray Horseman. Sound engineering by Anthony Alfaro. And mixing by Michael Hoagie. Special thanks to tonight's house band, Harry Orlov. Yes, and thanks to our guest, <laughs> Franita Tolson. Security muscles provided by Tyler, the Studio City behemoth, Burke. Transcription services for this show provided by TranscribeMe. For your special Paula Poundstone discount, use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at TranscribeMe.com. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Are you weeping softly, Mrs. Culpepper? Adam Felber. See well there. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.